episode 19 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest is part two of the Orbduction in the French Quarter with Chad and Alta Dillard. If you haven't heard chapter 18, volume 18 of Strange Brow Radio, part one of the Orbduction, go do it now. This is part two with Alta. We're going to get down and dirty with some of her experiences here, so... I'll tell you more about that in a second. But our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, Etsy.com. Shaman-inspired rattles, drums, and smudge fans. I've been saying smudge sticks like a numbskull. They're smudge fans, so much prettier than a stick. Different birds, feathers attached to local resourced wood and bone and antlers. You have to see these pieces. Go to Etsy, be a good boy or girl, go to Etsy, type in Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N. You will be blessed beyond your imagination if you do. Okay, next, part two, the orbduction. Fasten your seatbelts, we'll be right back. Chad and Alta Dillard told their story. At least Chad did, for the most part, in part one of the Orbduction in the French Quarter, episode 18. So, as I said, if you hadn't heard that, go listen to that episode first. That will clue you in for what you're about to hear, which is Alta's point of view, an altogether different point of view, having the same missing time experience. How is that possible? Well... We'll try to explain. If you have an open mind, this is going to be very enjoyable for you. If you don't have an open mind, this is going to be very frustrating. You can imagine how they feel. So, Alta, I'll let her take it away. Okay, so tell us what happened as far as you can remember, Alta. Well, as just backing it up to that corner... Would you mind terribly? Because again, I know that you're limited with time, but I I feel this has always been important. Certainly, I will go right where you asked me, and I feel honored to be asked. But we represent Christine. She's given us permission to speak on her behalf mm-hmm. about what she remembers, and I I just want to make sure that we do have time that I'm able oh. to share that. Well, with yeah. Her so experience is dealing with cryptids. So just so you know, that that uh, we can go as long as it takes. Um, so don't feel rushed. I want you to feel like uh, we can just get this all out there because I think what you're talking about is really important. So don't don't feel that uh, we, we're on a time limit here. So go ahead and um, tell me your story. Okay, so one minute I'm on the corner and then... You know, I just want to go home. And then, as I said, I have no memory of coming off the street. But the next thing I know, I'm standing on the edge of a crater. Um, just to kind of frame all of that as best as it, as I'm able to, because it's just all so crazy. It looks like I'm standing on, again, what folks may refer to as the moon landing. Um, the supposed moon landing. It looks like that's what I'm, that's my environment. 
that's what it looks like. I mean, that color frame, black, white, gray, uh, bright, and white. That's the color scheme. So, and it looks like I'm on the moon or something that looks like that. I'm looking down. My, I'm on the edge of this grape. I'm looking down and, and emotionally, I don't, I'm curious. I, that's all I remember. I just remember being curious. Like, what? So as I'm looking down into the crater, it's a big crater, but I don't have much to, you know, give you uh, measurements by because I haven't dealt with a lot of craters that I'm aware of. Or maybe I have. But I'm looking down in this what feels like a huge crater with a really deep bottom. And at the bottom, I don't see any kind of movement of any kind through this experience down there. But what I do see is a big rectangle-shaped, metallic-looking structure. Thought it could have been a hangar, could be a craft. I have no idea. All I know is that there was no movement. As I'm starting to take that in, just trying to take that in, I, I, my gaze comes upward. And now I'm looking across the crater at the top, and there are orbs of light all around it on the perimeter. The light, bigger than bread boxes, oblong shaped, more, well, more round oblonging, feel like they had intelligence, white light. Not bright, not, not like overtly bright. I have to stay comfortable. As strange as it all sounds. Next thing I know, again, I'm just trying to take this in. This stuff's happening fast. There's no time in this experience. I'm aware now of her. And that's how I describe it. The being. Her. She and I are... Oh, Chad, sorry, because I just got so excited over those lights and her. Chad's just reminded me, I have to now share a portion of this story, just like he has in his account something that is very weird behavior on my part that I don't like to have to share, but it is the experience. I'm aware as I'm taking in those lights that there is something going on, something behind me. So I don't completely turn around. I somewhat pivot around. And there are what feel and look like humans in a, the only way I know how to describe it is a dog pile. There's three, maybe four, I didn't have a lot of time to take that in, but I did take it in. They seem to be of different age. I don't remember anybody of color and uh, male and female and all dressed. And nobody looked upset. They seemed to be in suspended animation. As I'm thinking, my normal behavior would be to go to them. I can be overly helpful. And so, you know, I'd be normally running to them to try to unpile or figure out what. Well, I don't have that opportunity because then it is about her. And the her is now I'm aware there's somebody right next to me on the edge of the crater. And we're right next to each other. And I'm not afraid. I'm aware. Maybe a little startled. But I don't even really remember that too much. I just remember becoming aware. And she is over six feet tall because I have to, I'm, five, 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 yeah, something in there. 
and I have to put my head back to look up at her. She is perfect. I didn't know what perfect was until I had that experience. I had no idea that that would be my idea of perfection. But in this experience, she was and is. She's perfectly built. She's got on a bodysuit that I can't recall color. Seems like everything's just sort of blended. Um, but I'm aware that she's got something on. But it is skin tight like a diver's suit. I don't remember extremities too much as far as hands, feet. Because I just remember she was long and perfect. And then she had long blonde hair. I've never used the word Nordic. I've never, I just, I refer to the word blonde because that was the color of her hair. And it was long past her shoulders. I also remember in the experience that I didn't care who she was. I was so happy to be with her. I didn't care. I didn't think about questions. Nothing, none, I was a child all of a sudden in my mind, trying to just, relay that to you. I often like to say also, if I'd have had a tail, like a puppy, I'd have been wagging it off. I was just so excited inside to be with her. And the only way I know how to describe it is time has moved forward and I keep trying to process this experience because I felt like I was home. Whatever that means, I felt like I was home. And I just had no question. I had no thought about this place or this life or Chad or who I love or anything. Nothing about my mom, none of that. So anyhow, I am so happy. I just, that's all I think about. And then I look up above her, past her, and I've got a huge black sky around me. And it's full of, and I like to describe them like that. Sounds a bit corny, but diamonds in the sky, these stars that were so beautiful, and they glittered. It was like they shined, very like diamonds. Well, I'm very happy because I'm from the Southwest originally, from the desert. And anybody who knows, there's nothing more beautiful than a, a night sky in the desert. And that's, you know, all of a sudden having that kind of emotion. And then all of a sudden, one of those stars started to move. And it began moving across the sky. And then there was some zigzag going on. And others started joining in with it. My emotion went instantly from, I don't know how to describe it as bliss, to terror. Just that fast. Just as fast as it took me to just say it. Because all of a sudden now, all that's moving around above me, and it's terrorizing me, because I know those can't do that. And so at that moment that I shifted in my emotion, she spoke to me telepathically, and she used my name, and she said, and I like to describe this, and I don't know how in words, and I don't know how to do it in tone. She used tone that I, I don't know how to describe it. It was beyond beautiful beyond you and uh the tone but the language was english and she spoke directly to me mental telepathically mentally and she said alta don't be afraid they're just scanning and then i heard those words and then i came to sitting up the next day 
in my living room, rubbing my arms with something very strange in the top of my arm that got my attention instantly. But that okay. was that was my memory. Okay, so describe describe um, what's what's in your arm and what you know about it. So, I so I'd like to also mention as I'm doing this, I just again it's so important to have the opportunity to share this with such therapy. I'd like for anyone who cares to hear this, you certainly, and I'm so grateful. I'm going through unbelievable hell, hell. Whatever that means when my eyes popped open. Because I've got this unbelievable memory and terror. And now there's something sticking out of the top of my arm. Well, while that's all happening to me, where's Chad? Where's Christine? That's all I can, that's where are they? I don't see them. Now, I see a lump in my bed. I've got visual from my living room to my bedroom. I see a great big lump in my bed with meaning blank, big lump. All I can say to myself instantly is, oh my goodness, Jesus, I pray that lump is mine, meaning him. But right. now I'm also realizing I don't see two lumps. This would be the one time that would be permissible is for that second lump to be pristine in that bed with me. <laughs> right, <laughs> you get it. Yeah. That's not happening. She's not there. Uh-huh. So I get off. I get off the day bed. Now I'm sitting Indian style, like I am right now as I'm talking to you. That's what I do private. I'm sitting Indian style when I come to. I get myself unfolded. I'm flipping out because I just don't know how to find the language for it. And I got to get. I got to get to that lump and make sure that that it's him. And where's she? Well, my bathroom. Was right there so i deviate go right into that bathroom say what is going on with my arm when i get in the bathroom what i'm realizing is i'm rubbing my arms and my hands my fingers are rubbing over something that feels like a sticker like a cactus stick tiny teeny sticking out of my arm well what's crazy about that is i can feel it with my fingers you know to touch but there's no pain what can't have a sticker and no pain of any kind. Well, it doesn't. There's no hurt, but it's there. So I find a pair of tweezers and I pull that out of my arm. It leaves a teeny, tiny, teeny tiny pinhole. No blood, no redness, but a teeny hole. And now I got this thing between my fingers. And I don't want to sound exaggerating because this is crazy enough, all of it. But whatever that was that was solid in my arm when I pulled it out, started to dissolve between my fingers. Now, I can't begin to tell you what that was doing to me. Inside, it's freaking me out to repeat it again. And I've repeated it many times, well, when I've been given an option. So to describe it, it when I first had it between my fingers, it looked like celery butt. That shouldn't be sharp, but that's, it, 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 Apparently it was changing that fast. I don't know. But that's what it looked like when it first was between my fingers, when I was looking at it. And then it started dissolving. And then I turned on the faucet. And I say it truthfully, I scrubbed till I thought I was going to bleed. I wanted that off. 
I'm losing my mind now at this point. And I'm trying to be in a controlled hysteria. Chad, where's Chad? And I come out of that bathroom and I'm beelining for that lump. Well, thank God that lump got up. And it's Chad. And he's coming towards me. I know I describe a lot more graphically than Chad. But this was my reality. And I can see in his face instant that he's got no answers. Now, that's all hitting me telepathically. Or terror, whatever. Oh, no. So he's looking at me and he's expecting me to answer him how we got home. That's not easy. Tobe, you'd know that more than anyone with a man. That is not easy for a man to be left with. That kind of, he's out with two women that he's looking after and going to care for. Mm-hmm. And now he's home and there's no answer. <clears throat> okay, so. Wait now, let's go. I want to. I want to ask you about Chad. Chad gets up out of bed. Chad, is this your first memory of seeing Alta coming out of the bathroom? Right, right. Yeah, and are you I mean, just, are you dressed? Are you uh, you know in your normal sleep attire? What what's that situation like? Yeah, as far as I remember, I think I just slept in you know my boxers and a t shirt back then, and, and okay. You know, that's kind of- but you don't have it. You don't have any memory of coming home and changing out of your regular clothes. No. no. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Alta. So, I've been so busy dealing with the front of my body trauma in the bathroom that mm-hmm. I didn't take time because where's Chad and where's Christine? That's what's happening in my head. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't looked at the rest of my body. When Chad and I meet and don't greet, just in you know in this controlled hysteria again. He's now walking around me. And Chad, if you'll describe what you saw, because Chad saw this. Yeah, you know, because we wake up and we're like, you know, what happened, you know, and all that. She goes, I don't know, but there was this thing in my arm, you know, so she points down in her arm. And when I, when she does this, I'm like, and look at this bruising. And it was as if somebody had, like, had her, you know, either from behind or, you know, there may have been two. You know, like there was these handprints around both arms, around like the muscle area of her arm. And again, four digits, very long. They, the, the finger bruising, you know, they're, if they look like handprints, mm-hmm. the, they, they wrapped all the way around her arm. And the thing about it, again, you know, no pictures back then, you know, we weren't, you know. Yeah, we'd like folks that. to know we don't defend our position. Yeah. That's the last thing on our mind yeah. is proof. At this point, we're pristine. Right. We just want to keep bringing, you know, we bring that back to the mm-hmm. point because that's what we were experiencing. So we're not thinking about photos or nothing no. else. Well, describe so, these yeah. uh, four-fingered bruises around the muscle parts of her arm. Are they bruises or are they markings? Well, I want to say bruising, but they didn't last long. You know, like mm-hmm. a regular maybe bruise. A day. You know, maybe, yeah, 20, yeah, mm-hmm. not long at all. Right. So, you know, it could have just been markings. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Uh, but, you know, they, again, they didn't last long. And nothing yeah. hurt. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. no pain. Right. Okay. Go on. So, let me back up real quick and then we'll move forward again. When I pulled that, whatever that, let me just, for lack of a better word, celery fiber looking whatever out of my arm, it left that tiny hole, that pinhole, 
but underneath that tiny pinhole is a large lump. Not huge, size of a chicklet, if you remember chicklet. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But it has a, it changes shape. Let me just say this right up front. It appears and seems to be able to change. So when, you know, describing it, what you would see if it allows you, and that's the only way I know how to talk now anymore with this object. I call it an unknown. I've never used the word implant. Um, I refer to unknown because I have no memory of it being implanted. For all I know, because I've had a weird life and been told this, hmm. I don't know that it didn't come with the package. This is what I like to say to folks. We don't know anything. I don't like to speak what I don't know. Well, so, Alta, but it wasn't there one day and the next day it was. And it would but it has really... a tendency to move. I'm sorry, sir. Right. No, no, go ahead. I mean, it just sounds very, very odd and very telling that it would yes. be. Something. Yeah. I, I hate to, I hate to sound that I, I hate to sound like I'm, you know, I'm beating a dead horse here. Mm -hmm. But I discovered Whitley Strieber many years ago who wrote mm -hmm. Communion. Mm -hmm. Right. So Whitley Strieber, now I'm having a hard time finding the video. It feels like it's been removed. And I don't understand computers. Any research and I've become the best researcher I know because I've been left to my own, you know, uh, uh, to have to take care of us, to figure out what's going on with us. Nobody's been willing to help us. And so lots of people have been interested in us, but help has not been there. I discovered Strieber, you know, back in the day, and I discover he has a video of a doctor trying to remove what he calls his implant from his ear area. And on that video, you see that object move. It does not allow the scalpel to take it. And you see it. Now, I got to see something almost to believe it. I'd have to say Chad and I as crazy as we may sound to folks, if anybody thinks this way of us, biggest skeptics I know. I got to see it to believe it. Or right. I and have if, to know it. if people want to see that video, it's, I believe it's Roger Lear trying to remove this implant out of Whitley Strieber and it's near his ear area. I think L.A. Marzulli actually was even in the room when this was happening. And according to L.A., um, it was, uh, L.A. is a Christian. I think he was praying in the room. And when they were praying, the object, according to the urban legend of this, uh, the object didn't move under prayer. And um, I don't know if it's still inside Whitley or not, do you? Right. So uh, let me just offer this. Um, mm -hmm. I, I worked with Dr. Lear in the beginning, tried mm -hmm. to. So Lear wasn't the one involved in this removal. It's another doctor who is, his last name, I believe, starts with an L also. And what's interesting is, again, he, he doesn't seem to be available for any more of this. And this took place between him and, and Strieber. Mm -hmm. Um Marzulli and Lear are a whole nother ball game, a whole different game. So this object would not allow to be taken. So this doctor and Lee and Strieber became very afraid. And they decided that's enough of that. Lear and Strieber decided, I'm never gonna do that again. And so he still has it to this day. The, the doctor involved. He's kind of off the face of the earth. It's very hard to find because I've worked so hard to do this. I was left with Dr. Lear in 2001, 2002. We left New Orleans, moved to Alabama. Chad's father's, his family lived in, you know, kind of small lake community, Alabama. 
that was a whole nother ball game in itself because we landed on another planet and Alabama is definitely another planet from what I was ever accustomed to. And, and we had a lot of uh, very different kinds, again, of high strangeness taking place there. A lot involving cryptid. Um, I like to use the word Sasquatchy again, just to, but back to this object. When I contacted Dr. Lear, well, the way that came about is because I couldn't get any help. And I didn't know, they, they don't give you a book of rules. I got an object in my arm that when it allows you to see it, it looks like a big bug bite, it's a big lump. And it seems to be just underneath the top layer of skin. Well, then there'll be times where it'll go all the way, it'll bury all the way down to the bone. Well, you don't know it's there at all. There's no entry wound, there's no nothing. Even that teeny tiny hole went away. So you can't tell, but you can definitely feel it. And you can feel its perimeter. You can feel it has a sharpness on some parts of it that you know it should be popping through my skin and it doesn't. But again, I'm, I'm telling you what my experience has been. And the reason again, I have never used the word implant is because my history is so bizarre that I just don't know that I wasn't born this. I don't know anything. And I guarantee you, I haven't been able to find any answers. So just trying to share again what's happening with me because I have another object. There's another one. I've got another experience. Or I have another one in my wrist and they're very different. There's no connection appearance. So the first one, when I contact Lear, the way that came about is I discover a book in the middle of nowhere as man, Alabama, oh, it happened to be Birmingham, Alabama, called Alien and the Scalpel. I think it's the title of it. It kind of fell out of the shelf at me because I'm like, no, this is crazy. Oh my God, this is, you mean there are people out there who are maybe have something too? I mean, I'm just going crazy because I'm all by myself. And, you know, it's just me and Chad. His family are not interested in any of this. His family, on his father's side in particular, are experiencers of both uh, Sasquatchy and, and crafts, and who knows what else, but they will not talk about it. They won't speak about it. They don't address it. And so we're all on our own, and you know, particularly back then. Now, uh, you know, I discovered this book. I read it fast and furious. Dr. Lear at this point has removed a, several of them. And, um, but he's still fairly new in the game as well. Um, there's another man by the name of Daryl Sims. Those two were co-partners in all of this, their words, implant business. And then they had a falling out. I had bad timing and I imagined I caught him in the middle of that war that was going on between them and it created a lot of chaos. And trying to understand these objects. So um, talked to Daryl Sims a long time on the phone. He knew I wasn't lying. It just kind of went south though. I don't know why. He didn't go any further with us. Back to Dr. Lear. Dr. Lear requires x-ray immediately. I'm in Alabama. He's in California. Okay. Can you guide me? He just makes it clear you got to get that x-ray. I met a MUFON group. I'll mention this, that was a terrible mistake on our part at that time in the state of Alabama. A woman that had been director of that organization, she no longer was director, but she was highly sought after from, you know, lots of people thought highly of her. 
um, he was still very involved. She learns about us. She makes it clear that they've got a doctor on hand, a medical doctor who has come to their meetings, who made it clear, and I'll, I'll just paraphrase it, if you ever find a live one, you know, you bring them to me. I'm interested. So I guess I was a live one. They, the MUFON group arrange, not the group, this woman arranges for us to meet this doctor. Now, Chad and I have to drive two hours to his office. His office, his medical office, sits out in the middle of no man's land, Alabama. Very Southern Baptist, dry county, meaning you can't drink there. Alcohol, can't buy alcohol. It's, it's very um, quiet. And the last thing he wants is for anybody to know what he's doing. So he has a skeletal staff, staff that day, that night. We drive two hours. The MUFON woman, she's going to come two hours from another direction and meet us at this doctor's office. When we get there, it's not just her. There's a carload of them, and they've all got tripods and cameras. The MUFON people, they're pretty sure they're going to come in and watch this doctor cut this out of me. They don't care to meet me. They don't want to talk to Chad and I. Nobody's interested in what happened to it. They just want it all on film. And this is without your permission, right? They, they didn't clear this with you? We had you? no idea. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even know that right. they were coming. Right. We just right. thought it was, you know, the... We just right. understood I was getting an x-ray and that this doctor was willing to let me have that x-ray because you can't just go get x-rays and just have them. It is not that easy. So... Anyhow, trying not to sound like a victim, but we've had a lot of that happen to us. And just, you know, just trying to share the story as truthfully as it happened. I'll fast forward is we went through a lot of abuse to get that x-ray. Exactly. Well, doctor, let me just say this to you. Nobody believes this part of this story. That's too bad because we should be believed. The doctor, when he first addressed me, they never even asked Chad to come back with me. They left Chad out in the waiting room with these, I want to call them monsters, these people who showed up with these cameras who had nothing to do with Chad. They were just kind of vultures. I think that's a better word. So they don't even, you know, Chad's not even involved in this. So I'm back there by myself with the doctor and this ex-MUFON woman. And doctor bends down to talk to me. He, he's very kind and he's, you know, he's almost treating me like I'm a child. Okay, I'll take gentle over me. He runs his arm up. He takes his, well, sorry. First thing out of this doctor's mouth to me was, how long did I know I had been psychic? Now that offended me instantly. I don't tell people those, I don't use that word. And I don't tell people that. I don't use what's happened to us to ever benefit my, my business on the other side of what I do professionally, never. And the fact that the doctor knew that about me made me so angry because that told me this woman who doesn't know us was speaking about behind my back and chat. So again, there's no respect right off the bat. Well, I'm still there to get that x-ray. Stupid me, but I'm determined because Dr. Lear needs that x-ray. It's the only way he'll work with me. So I got to take this. I get the, um, the doctor, he's bent down. I'm sitting on an exam table with my, my legs over the table. I've worn a sundress, so he's got easy access to my arm. The unknown's in my upper arm, on the outer, you know, in the muscle area uh, between the shoulder and the elbow. Easy access to it. 
it happened to be sticking out. Strangely enough, it was in a lump form. That's what I mean by that. Now, again, no exaggeration. The doctor started his hand up my hand and then up my wrist and then up my arm. And I think he just thought, you know, he was going to, that was the way he was going to examine. But he's talking to me very childlike. And then all of a sudden, his face changed instantly. His expression changed instantly. His tones changed instantly. His hand pulled back like the object, and the only way I know how to say it, bit him. Now, I've never felt the object. It's never hurt me. I have no idea what's going on here. But that's what I experienced. That doctor changed instantly. He wanted out of that room. He wanted away from me. But he didn't stop me getting the x-ray. I was allowed to get the x-ray. I'm now sent back. I mean, it just ended that fast. He didn't hear any of this story. He knows nothing like what we've been allowed to share with you. I go back to get the x-ray. He's only got one woman, his x-ray tech, on duty. The object chose not to take a picture the first two times. Now, this woman, by the third time, she's losing her mind because she can see it sticking out in my arm. You can feel it. But it's, it's a blank x-ray. It's an x-ray of my arm. It's a skeletal x-ray of my arm, but it's as if nothing's there. Now she just, she, they all want me gone now. Chad's clueless. He has no idea what I'm going through. because He's out in the waiting room with these people and their cameras. They don't know what's going on because nobody's talking to them. Next thing I know, I finally say to the heavens, throw a dog a bone. I have got to have this picture. Now, that's crazy, but that's what I do. And it took. They hustled me out of the x-ray room as soon as they got it developed. They got me up to the front window. Doctor's behind the glass. He never comes out. His uh, x-ray tech, I don't remember seeing her again. He's got his cashier or whoever she is, nurse, I don't know. They're all behind the window. I offered to pay for the x-ray. They refused the money. And they just hand me the x-ray and they want me out. They hustle me out. They got all the other people outside of the building by now. They got them all standing out in a dark parking lot. Now, remember, this is out in the boonies of Alabama. This doctor is on a lot that's got gravel, but there's nothing around him but woods. Foresty is what I remember. And main highway kind of off the exit. So I get out there with the x-ray and and it's dark and i mean it's dark this man doesn't have lights out in his parking lot the doctor comes around the corner of the building and he comes up to all of us but he's and he says it loud enough for everybody to hear this but he's directing it to me he said i don't know if you drink or not but i'm going home to have a huge and he had he said it with a tone of fear he spun on his heels honest to god i can't make this up got in his car and he threw gravel. He couldn't get, you hear Chad giggling. He threw gravel, could not get away from there fast enough. Now, all these MUFON people, they all want to go to a restaurant and hash it out. Okay. We get to the restaurant, because by this time, I should have, you know, been long gone. We go to the restaurant, because again, I don't know, have anywhere else to turn. I'm thinking, MUFON, they're going to help. I don't know what I, they can do now, but we get to the restaurant, and they're all figuring this story out. And I say to them, now, they're not dealing with Chad and I. We're at the end of the table. We're like the stepchildren. I finally insert 
folks, that doctor's never going to do this again. He ain't ever going to, he's never going to do this again. I'm so sorry, but I'm positive. He don't want nothing more to do with this subject, whatever this subject is. Well, they're not hearing me. Because I can see dollar signs in their eyes all the way back then. And so fast forwarding the story, I get that x-ray sent to Dr. Lear. In no time, Dr. Lear responds to me, I've got to have a second picture to alleviate artifacts. I tell Dr. Lear, oh, dear Dr. Lear, you have no idea what we've just been through. Can you give further guidance? He doesn't want to hear any of this. I get it. He just makes it clear, you get that second picture, or I'll send back the first one, we'll forget the conversation ever happened. Yikes. Okay. He means business. So I tell Chad, Chad, you're going to call the doctor, and you're going to make an appointment for us, because he's mad, and I want doctor to know that this is my husband, and that this is respectful, and we are respectful of each other. Now, Alta, so, why, why do you have to go to the same doctor? I'm trying to figure that part out. If if you just need an X-ray, you don't even have to you're mention. Not likely to, right, but you're not likely to walk in and get an X-ray and be able to take it. I couldn't find anywhere where I could get one to take it. Right, you need to have an order but, sent, but yeah, okay. Right. And see, right. Dr. Lear wasn't assisting me. That's what I was asking for. Mm-hmm. And and I was left on my own. So And plus, we kind of thought this right. was going to be easy. Hey, we'll call him up, we'll mm-hmm. go down there, give him his, you know, pay for this one, you know. Done. It was, yeah. Well, that's not how it played out. Um, Chad was smart from the very beginning. He wanted no more to do with this either. He knew the doctor wasn't going to want to see us. Not with what we've been put through. But he's a good husband and he was respectful. Now, please remember again, I'm just repeating what we've been through. I would never do any of this again, ever. But this is what I did. I knew Dr. Lear was the only person in the world, the only game in town, only one in the world dealing with this subject. That's just nuts. This doctor that I'd just gone through all this hell with, like Chad said, it's going to be easy. Even though he didn't think so, we just figured, I, I insisted. So Chad finally called. I'll fast forward again. I'm trying to get this story sped up here because it's so long. Whoever answered doctors off at his office told Chad, doctors out of the country. Basically, flip. I have to tell you again, I would never do what I'm saying right now. I'm just honest. I became so angry, I couldn't think straight. I was insulted, and I couldn't believe what was happening to us. So in my anger, I told Chad, I said, we're going back. We'll show him how to do a peaceful Indian sit-in. I said, I'm going to get that picture. Well, he's furious with me, but he, I rule at that point because he knows that I'm not going to stop like a pit bull. I called that crazy woman, ex-MUFON woman. I inform her what her doctor has just done. She's pissed because, you know, it's given her a bad name. And so she decides she's going to meet us there. She's going to join the sit-in. I didn't ask her. I was just informing her what we had just been put through so that she wouldn't put somebody else through this and that they would have information. She decides to join us. The doctor made us wait eight hours the three of us. He hid for eight hours. He never let himself be seen. I guess they knew at eight hours we weren't going nowhere. Chad went out in the parking lot and had a nap. 
her and I sat there, just stoically sat. We waved. Finally, she and I got herded back there. Chad had come back in by now. Chad's with us. All three of us get herded back into a waiting room. Um, <clears throat> doctor comes in and he is livid. And you can see it in his face. And next thing I know, there's not a lot of no conversation going on. It's basically, they can't get rid of me for some reason, because he sure could have, but the x-ray was loud. Chad and this woman are sitting in the waiting room. I go back to that x-ray and I'm put through that hell again. It chose play tricks. It would not allow a picture the first time. When I go back in with Chad and the woman in the waiting room for that x-ray to get developed, doctor comes flopping through the door. He's happy. Now his whole tone has changed. And he's just very happy. And he says, nothing there. It's over. Like, go. And I'm pissed. I'm so pissed now. I can't think straight because the object's sticking out in my arm. And I say to him in front of Chad and this woman, then doctor, what is this? I'm pointing at it. He turns around. He looks. He sees. He's livid. He pulls a Sharpie out of his pocket pen as he moves towards me. He used it as a weapon. He drew a bullseye on my arm. And I felt that energy come through that pen. Sent me back in. It allowed the picture. They took $100 from me and sent me on my way. By the time I could get the second picture sent to Dr. Lear, he was done with us. He wanted nothing more to do with us. There's more to that story, but we've never used public time to ever out anybody about anything just what has happened to us because we're still trying to get help we just we've just had a very difficult time finding so alta what did it show on that secondary x-ray so the x-ray shows a roundish whitish little blob a little roundish help me check tiny speck yeah well it's, it's bigger than a speck it's like a little tiny mass, and it's it would take eyes that can look at a at an X-ray mm -hmm. to see any depth to it, because to the naked eye, you just see there's a white little mass in there, mm -hmm. and it looks very benign. It looks very, it don't look like it does tricks. It mm -hmm. doesn't look like anything other than maybe I have a little growth. But it's a foreign body. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's still yeah. there. Absolutely. And does it interact with you at all? Do you get any sense of it? Does it, uh, you know, some people say it's almost like a little radio transmitter and you can feel it buzzing or, you know, interacts with people. Does it do anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. It does seem to move, meaning it'll bury itself down to the bone where only I know that it's possibly in there. Mm -hmm. um, I can't touch it, can't feel it. And then it will come back to the surface mm -hmm. where it sticks out like a like a big bug bite. And you can pinch it and, and feel it. Right, as Chad's saying, you can absolutely you know, you feel its diameter, you can feel its- Pinch the skin. Like a, like a nodule that you would get, you know, under your skin periodically, you get these little nodules. Does it feel like that? Like it's fleshy or does it feel hard? No, yeah, it's no, hard. it feels solid. And it, it, at one mm -hmm. 
seems that some point of it is so sharp, as I mentioned earlier, sharp, mm -hmm. like it should be popping through the skin. Yikes. Oh, yeah, it's yikes. <laughs> it's absolutely yikes. But I'll tell you what, with everything I've been through, just to try to get this far, because mm -hmm. I thought, Chad, like Chad said to you, we were so, we've been so naive. We thought this would be easy. Mm -hmm. I have proof. Well, no, now, I don't. Now, Daryl Sims is still active. In fact, I, I just met with him uh, this year at a, a Sasquatch conference. Uh, are you still in touch with Daryl? No. Okay. No, we encountered him in 2011. Um, I could actually send you a picture that captured. I don't allow photo photographs of myself at all if I can help it, which has not been good for us. You know, we're trying to sell this book and... We haven't worked real hard at any of that. We've just tried to put a truth out there and find others. Mm -hmm. But we happened to encounter him in 2011 mm -hmm. at a small, tiny conference. And it shocked him because I carried all of my paperwork from having my conversations with him mm -hmm. from 2001. Mm -hmm. And he was, um, yeah, it was a very bizarre encounter. I, okay. Again, it just didn't go well. It just has yeah. never gone well. So we just kind of, again, back on our own and... Mm -hmm. As far as the objects are concerned, I had another experience, completely different experience in my backyard in Alabama in about 2006, I would say, where another object is in my wrist. Now, we went to another doctor. She happened to be a chiropractor who had learned about me in Birmingham. She learned about me from a very kind woman who used to go to her but knew that these things were happening to us. And so she had shared with this woman and the woman was willing to have us come and let me buy the x-rays so I could so I could have them for myself. Mm -hmm. And so she had a sympathetic ear, I think is what I'm trying to say. So are I there, had the object in the upper, I'm sorry. No, are there any photographs online of your x-ray? Um, yeah. We have them, I can send that to you. Okay, I thought I saw one when I was researching you, um, right. a photograph of we a form. Okay. We have it in the book, but we also have a probably a better picture. Yeah, we also it's on their Facebook page also. Oh, I guess I have never even looked at that. Yeah, so so the doctor X-rayed both objects. She X-rayed the upper object, and then mm. it looked just like it always did. It didn't seem to change, and then she X-rayed my wrist where the second object is. That did not allow an X-ray at all, and she said that's not strange to her. She thought I'd have to have an MRI. Mm -hmm. so I like to say to people who keep saying, just get this proof. First of all, nobody seems to want the proof. That's what I've discovered so far. And the other thing I've discovered is Chad and I don't have insurance. We are, we're, you know, we are what I'd like to think of is I hate the thought of starving artists because we're hardly starving, but mm -hmm. we gave up, we gave up, you know, uh, a sense of a whole lot of um, safety careers and what have you to get free so mm -hmm. that we could travel we we offer art form as well as our story as well as what i offer in in my work and so we started traveling about in a right. motorhome and have lived this you know very kind of carefree if you will to some degree life just again trying to stay open and trying to find others and where do we belong and what is happening to us so the object in the wrist the mri is i understood last i looked at several thousand dollars that was not going to happen. And again, no. nobody has been interested in these things. So, Are you, have you taken a stud? Have you taken a stud finder over it, or any black light to 
to see if anything reveals itself? Right. Well, let me say this to you. Daryl Sims, with his, he had an audience standing around us at this thing. He pulled out all his little gadgets and he started mm -hmm. moving them around my arm and they were going crazy. Mm -hmm. Everybody's moving and on and so on and so forth. Fed Finder does not work. Mm -hmm. I don't know about black light. I don't remember about a black light. Or I, I don't I remember the black light. Right. Supposedly there's uh, phosphorescence around implants, right? This is one of the attributes. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Yeah, okay. I've, I've heard that. But again, um, knowing now how different the two are in my body, mm -hmm. the two I'm aware of, I suggest, and let me just say this, I'm pretty convinced nobody knows nothing. This is what I'm sure of at this stage. People do not want to hear this, but if we don't start to open up our minds, could be why we're being shut out, could be why we're not getting connected as we should be. But we are very determined to stay honest and keep putting mm -hmm. it out there. I spent, I spent over an hour on the phone because it wasn't by my choice. It was arranged for me to talk to a man that Dr. Lear brought on board, travel about with him to uh, study these, what they call implants. And um, I discovered, I spent an hour on the phone with the scientist and he freaked me out, first of all. He spoke so much stranger than anything I've shared with you or that Chad could share with you. It was so strange. He immediately started telling me that he was making babies out in space, hybrids, and so on. Well, that's language I'm not interested in because that's not my language. That's not my world that I'm aware of. But I, I need regression also. I paid a lot of money to get it done by a very well-known person, and it did not go well at all. And I was not regressed. But I have a lot of time, you know, that's in there that's missing that I, I'm not sure anymore. But back to the object, the unknown. Well, let me ask Chad. Let me ask Chad real quick. Chad, you know, no objects in you, nothing like this. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Have you been? Have you been X-rayed yourself in certain areas, and it came back as, or have you even sought to get an X-ray? Yeah. No, uh, I wouldn't know where to X-ray. So right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but no yeah, strange, uh, no strange yeah. markings on you at all. No four-fingered handprints, nothing like that. Right now, okay. I do have this one very strange mark. It's kind of on my belly area, mm -hmm. and it's like when either I get out of like a hot shower or Only I in the stand. Last yeah, and this just happened in the last few years, and there, it's kind of like this mark on mm -hmm. my skin. It it won't get red. You know, it's like the pigmentation is, you know, like just stays white, you know, mm -hmm. like my regular skin tone. And, um, but it kind of looks like a, either like a fan blade or like that radiation kind of warning fanny looking symbol that they use yeah. for like. Oh, like yeah. 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 Thing. Like three triangles kind of pointing in on each other. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really the only thing I noticed that like in 2006 mm -hmm. or so, something like that. Right. But that's about the only thing I remember um, uh, that I that I've ever noticed. Okay. Let me let me fast forward here, and we will come back if you guys are willing to. We can come back uh, at a different rate and get into more of the current stuff because I'm curious about what's going on with you after. 1997 and of course as recent as valentine's day but i want to get to christine 
and get her account. She can't be here with us telling her story. Why is that? She's always chose to never be public. She, I got her several years ago to at least put it in writing for us. Mm-hmm. She wrote in, in writing. It was very vague because she was she's vague about that night. She seems to have less memory about that hour and a half that Chad and I have. Um, but she certainly is not in disagreement with anything that we're saying. In fact, she went on further to say that she's given us permission to speak on her behalf because I always knew this is three of us. This is not two of us and it's not one of us because every because I'm the one with this obvious whatever is going on with my upper arm, whatever this is, seems like it singled me out from them. And I've worked very hard to make sure that everybody understood this is all three of us. She seems to take the thought, at least she did in the past, that she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She felt like it was directed more at me. And so that, and again, I think that's because I'm more outspoken. Chad certainly speaks well for himself, but he's, I've done, you know, I'm the one that's been kind of the crazed over all of this. Chad. I think that Chad would have been fine just sharing it with people wanted to ever hear anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as far as reaching out and writing the book and all of that, that's been mm-hmm. really my push because it's been my drive. So what happens with her is I have to back up before the night of 97, that event with three of us. Relatively very shortly before that night, Christine had seen a guy for a very short time in her life. I say a minute in her life. I call him Dark Boy. He was adorable, like she is, but he was her polar opposite. He had long black hair. He had a darkness about him. He was very nice. I I spent very little time around, but she didn't see him very long. The day she decided to not see him any longer, it was just because she wanted to see other people. And so she calls him over to her house. It's in the middle of daytime, middle of the afternoon. Let me mention also, Christine is very upfront and very direct and she has no problem getting right up on if she's huggy and touchy and like we are and so my point is is when she decides that she's going to break up with this guy she calls him over to her house he doesn't know so they meet on the front porch they're very close like face to face i'm paraphrasing this but basically she tells him i want to see other people I like your butt sort of story. She says that as she starts telling him this, he's beginning to get very emotional. And then this is her words. He shifted into a wolf. He changed into a wolf in front of her face. She said she turned her head away hard and fast. The way she described it was exactly what I did when I saw that whatever that floating something was in the sky. When I reacted the way I did, I turned away and I never looked back. I was in shock. She said she turned her head away like that as well. Shock. She said she looked back, like, you know, seconds. And she said when she did, he must have shifted back human and then shifted a second time right in front of her face. Wolf. And then she said he's back in the human form. And she, I'll clean up the language. She said in a very direct, scared, startled, whatever. You just turned into an effing wolf. And she said he responded in a very startled, 
response, you saw that. Like she didn't need confirmation, but he confirmed she saw what she saw. And this was very briefly within weeks, if that long, prior to our night of the three of us. Her story is she remembers that corner with us. She remembers it being quiet and no people. And the next thing she knows, it's somewhere, as I said, between three and four in the morning. Now we were, last we know it's 11, it's around 11 o'clock that night. That's when I like to say our lights went out or our light went on. Next thing she knows, she's behind the steering wheel of her moving car. As I said before, it's moving slowly, hit a parked car, knocked off her rear view mirror. The car seemed to be obviously driving itself. And she said, next thing she knows, she's in his neighborhood. Now, he lives in a hood, not someplace she should be at 3, 4 in the morning by herself. He lives in a, sounds like it's a fourplex. I've never been there. It's her description. Sounds like it's a big old, old Victorian type house that's turned into a fourplex apartment. He conveniently has the downstairs part. This lot yard house has a big iron gate around that she says is always normally locked of course not this morning it's open she gets out of her car now this is so against her anything we would know about her as, as far as personality yeah, she was, he was the last person that she, she'd ever want to see again oh boy i mean ever and so she says she goes up the stairs she gets in his, she gets up on his porch, his door is open. She said he's inside the front door. He's sitting under a light fixture, playing guitar. She said he stops playing guitar and says something crazy like. Yeah, he looks up at her and goes, we've been waiting for you, or I've been waiting for you. Mm -hmm. like that. Cryptic, creepy. She said that she starts to feel very emotional and my understanding is he starts to cry. She said he, he puts the guitar down and leads her into a bedroom or a room, lays her down. She said she literally cries herself to sleep. Now that's very weird behavior. We don't know her like that at all. She's usually very controlled and happy and uh, or angry, but not a crier. So she said it must have been only, she said it had to have been somewhere around sunrise. When her eyes, when she woke up, and she said that she's, she realizes where she's at, and she said she is dressed. It didn't appear that he did anything to her. She said she got up and she got the flock out of Dodge and she never looked back. And that is her account. I will also mention, relatively short after the event in '97 of the three of us, she got pregnant. She's had a baby since. Um, He's now 21 or 22. She's worked very hard to give him an amazing life. He sounds quite amazing. We've met him a couple of times. Last time we saw him, he was around 10. So she's gone on since this event to get a degree in environmental science. So she's backed herself up completely. And she has created this amazing life. It is very earth-connected. And our understanding was she was never going to go public with any of this. But what's interesting is that 
we kept her filled in. We're still connected long distance. And uh, we've kept her filled in on everything that we were doing. And she knew all about the book, understood the name change, what have you, seems to have been approving of everything. Our book was edited down to 70 pages. So it was very disappointing for us because I wrote a lifetime of book, maybe too much. But everything basically has been edited down, I think, for the most part, to that event on the corner. A little bit of history on us, but very little. So never have heard a complaint. In fact, she sent a woman into the shop that I work in now. We returned to the New Orleans area in about 2016. And there's a lot to that story also about returning. We'll get back to that. It has to do with that original apartment of the Voodoo Temple we spoke to you about. Well, anyhow, she sent a, I, I've taken, I, I contract in a shop several days a week in the French Quarter now. We don't live there now. We live out in the country, and I'm very pleased with that. But that's where I work. She sent a woman into the shop uh, that had come from where she lives, city and state she lives now, um, to buy several books because we offer the book in the shop I work in. And it was quite surprising because it was the first time we'd ever seen acknowledgement from her that she had told anybody this new world that she's developed uh, of any of these experiences. So it was rewarding and it was pleasant to know that she's not, you know, denied that this has happened. Christine's story uh, sounds similar in weirdness to your story, um, and although she's not willing to really investigate this publicly. Is it your opinion that maybe privately she's investigating this a little bit more? That's an interesting question. What she said to me, this is all that I can repeat to you. You know, certainly we can all, what have you, considerations but what she actually said to me back in the day we finally reconnected two days later after that event it took two days before she and I reconnected where we knew she was safe and all right so we went through two days of of well that's not even describable Chad and I stayed into our apartment I happened to have the next that's another thing the convenience of all of this I happened to have the next couple of days off work so we literally, and Chad was an entrepreneur at that point, so we were, as they say, hunkered down into our apartment, our townhouse, and we weren't coming out. Mm-hmm. In the quarter, you can have food delivered if you need and so on. So that's just what we did. It was that frightening. And so, because again, she's missing. And we there's no cell phones at this stage. We didn't have them. And there's no, we can't find her. We don't, we, we have to wait. Well, she doesn't contact us. So as it would be, She's at work when I go back to work two days later. And I'm like, what? And so this is when I discovered what I like to call the age difference. Because I'm a very young old chick. And I always have been. And, but I could tell there was a very big difference in our age and the way we process and handle. I'm, and again, maybe because I have the object and the bruising at the time and older and I don't know. I'm not sure. But what she responded to me with was almost like this hipster kind of cool chick sort of response, which is, I know it happened. I don't know what happened, but I know it happened. I know something happened. And that's good enough for me. And I'm like, what? 
wow. And she was so sincere and is so, was so sincere about that. I always have wondered though, and of course I always will, you know, what's happening to her in all of these years on a, I know what seems to be happening on a personal level, beautiful life. She's created an amazing life. She has a love in her life, um, engaged, I understand, and what have you, an amazing life. But I've often wondered, as her son continues to grow and has his life, what's happening? And is anything happening? And will it ever be repeated or spoke about? So that's all I can do is just wonder. Right. Well, you know, these things obviously are time-stamped or time-coded. And I mean, they've even told you that in time, these messages will come clearer to you. So maybe that's part of the unfolding here. I want to thank uh, both of you, Chad and Alta, coming on to discuss something, I guess you would call it life-altering, certainly Mm -hmm. shaped a new worldview for both of you. Again, the book is course or abduction in the French Quarter and you can go to their Facebook page you can probably find them on YouTube all sorts of social media and they can get your book online at all of the networks uh, well uh, we have it on Etsy or you know contact us uh, again over Facebook on uh, or abducted the okay no, so they can pretty, buy it directly through, yeah they can buy it directly through you they can't get it on Amazon no okay gotcha Okay, abduction in the French Quarter. Uh, what I want to if ask you're in you guys. The French Quarter. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Ahead. I was just going to mention if anybody's in the French Quarter, we offer the book also in the shop that I work at. It's called Earth Odyssey. We invite anybody, please come by, and we certainly invite you, Tobe, if you ever come this direction before mm-hmm. we come your direction. Mm-hmm. Please know that we will look well after you. And <laughs> now, and, can they uh, can they order it uh, through uh, the the bookstore can they get it directly and just have it shipped absolutely okay good absolutely all right or we can go online to earth odyssey in uh, the french quarter and just just order it there that's right okay. either way okay and then i wanted to ask you both would you guys be willing to come back and we can do a part two to this because i feel like there's so many missing links to this all and uh you've told this story I feel like there's probably a part two or volume two to abduction here yeah. unfolding. So yeah. would you, would you be guest again on strange brow radio? It would oh. be such an honor. Yeah, Sounds great. We'd love to. And if yeah, you're ever out here, I'd, yeah, I'd love to have you come out uh, to the property here. Cause we've got some mysterious goings on out in the Olympic rainforest. We right. look so forward to it. I'm actually Nez Perce on my mother's side and Blackwood on my father's side, Miss First Washington and, and all of your territory, all of your areas. So we look so forward to it. We thank you for this time and we look, we look forward to sharing more with you. Well, thank you both so much. Again, Chad and Alta, the book Orbduction in the French Quarter. Have a good evening and we'll talk to you real soon. And to you. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Chad and Alta Dillard for telling their story, The Orbduction in the French Quarter. Go get your copy now at the New Orleans Bookstore. Okay. We'll have them back for round three down the road and we can talk about what happened on Valentine's Day. And I'm sure that 
and probably along the way we might even have them out to visit us. I think we were talking about them coming out here where we still get some pretty interesting stuff happening in and around the property and we'll include that down the road as well. Alright, don't forget that if you have an encounter, a story, or you'd like to know more about the show, have guest ideas, or just want to drop a line, have a comment, you can do that. Get a hold of me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. You can go to strangebrow.com. You can go to the Facebook page and type in Strangebrow Radio. You can just kind of find us all over. And then we have our live events. We still do those every second Saturday of the month in Cottage Grove, Oregon. That's your chance to hang out with the guest speaker and be a part of the crowd and have a nice libation. That's at the Axe and Fiddle in Cottage Grove. And we do stream from time to time on the Strange Brow Radio Facebook or Instagram page. And there you can find the speakers live and in action. I'll tell you more about 2020. We got some big things that we're working on for 2020. Maybe soon we can tell you the details. I will tell you that in June next month, we're going to have Biggie at the Point Casino in Washington State. Address yet to be determined. I will be there. I will be doing a remote with Ron Moorhead. I can almost guarantee that. I'll tell you more next Sunday about that and how to be a part of it if you've got a story to tell. And always, always, always remember, I will see you in the trees. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.